You're listening to Creativity in the Capital, a Solving Sacramento podcast. I'm your host, Casey Rafter. On this show, we find two artists or creatives in the Sacramento area and pair them together to discuss their successes, their struggles, and how they feel they fit into the Sacramento creative community. The two strangers are provided a list of questions, and off they go. In episode two of Creativity in the Capital, we've paired LJ and Gabe Nelson. For over 20 years, Sacramento photographer LJ has been playing with light, water, and laughter to capture electric images in her work. She's taken photos for Girls Rock Sacramento and held sessions with local acts like Katie Nepp, The Gold Souls, Jessica Malone, and Dear Darling. With a fiery passion to capture drummers and their instruments, LJ has enchanted musicians like Karen Wolf, Questlove, Daru Jones, Corey Strange, and Mike Johnson. At 12 years old, Sacramento musician Gabe Nelson found a guitar in his mother's closet. A trade from guitar to bass eventually saw him as the bassist for the band Cake, creating the familiar funkiness heard in that band's most popular recordings, before leaving Cake in 2015. Nelson has also played with Anton Barbeau, The Mother Hips, and has his own band, Belly Gunner. We join our guests as they meet for the very first time at a creaky table in the living room of Nelson's Sacramento home. Thinking about Sacramento as a community for musicians and artists, do you feel a part of that community? Yes. That's a great answer. Yeah. Ten stars. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, I've been here a long time. I started performing in places at around the age of 15. I still do. My, all my friends are in the art world or the music world. Those are the people I know. I started making a living at it, and I've just kind of hung on to that. Yeah, it's hard to go back. Yeah, I like the I like the uh, hours. Mm-hmm. How about you? That's the majority of my community, Sacramento. I don't live in Sacramento. Where do you live? I live in Shingle Springs. Okay. Which is the middle of nowhere. And there's about a population of 1,400 people. But most of my time is spent down here. Everybody's like, oh, are you, do you come down to SAC often? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's a 40-minute drive, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. down five times a week. Most of my clients are in the music and art world. And I don't have friends outside of that space very much. So mm-hmm. Sacramento is me minus the residence part. Yeah. Did you grow up in Shingle Springs? I didn't. I married into it. Oh, you married into Shingle Springs. And then I divorced out of it. Divorced it. And then realized that commuting from here, because I was living in Land Park for a bit, was commuting up there to take my kids to school every day. Yeah. Not the business. Going the other direction is not bad, because you start in Sacramento in the morning, and I would turn on something like Explosions in the Sky. Have you ever listened to them? Mm -mm. It's like this post-rock ambient. Like, every song feels like you're about to embark on this magnificent journey. Wow. And so I would be heading up the hill in the morning. song would be playing. The sun would be coming over the hills in, like, Folsom. And then I'd take the kids to school, fight the school line, and then go to my studio that was on Sutter Street. And then go back up to pick them up and then back down to Sacramento in the evening. All of it was a lot, but I moved up there anyway because it's just so much easier to not have to bounce back and forth. Yeah. I don't like driving, so I relate to that. I don't drive that much. And I just, I work at Klein Music down Mm -hmm. the street, so I just, that's it. That's my driving. 
Um, and does Sacramento register as part of your identity? The city, county, region, people, artist, geography. Well, I definitely think <clears> so. When I was a kid, I lived in Orange County and we moved like all the time. I never, I never had any roots. I never had any friends for very long. And then my parents got divorced and my mom moved up here. And I came up here a few years later in eighth grade. And she asked me, is there anything that you would like to request living here? And I said, I just want to go to one high school. And so she said, okay. And she made it so that I went to Sac High and I didn't go to any other schools. Because by that point, I was just so tired of going like almost two schools a year. Right. And that's hard for a kid. Socially, I think, yeah. you know, it's like a, you, you bonding with people and then having to leave. Mm -hmm. I think that was uh, a bit damaging, mm -hmm. you know. She gave me that, and um, I've kind of just lived my adult life that way too. Like I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been good for me. I think good. to know someone for a decade. Um, I would say for me that I mean I've always lived here, but I'm a wanderer. I have a little vagabond heart, but my roots are here. I was born in Citrus Heights, and I went to school there, and I didn't move out of the region until I was 22. Sacramento does register as part of my identity. But I also feel like I am a little bit of everywhere. I belong everywhere and nowhere at once. In as much as I am a part of this and Sacramento is a part of who I am, it is also very much not, mm -hmm. which is a weird sort of thing. How, how often do you take photos? As far as like jobs? No. I mean, I take photos every day. You take photos yeah. every day. I'm, okay. I have my camera on at least once a day. I'm not a photographer or anything like that. It almost seems like basically like hunting you got to find something to photograph. So you're looking for something interesting. It's kind of almost the opposite for me where things are asking to be photographed. Mm -hmm. Like everything is a little bit magical and wonderful. And like in the morning, the way the sun falls through the trees and you're like, the fairies are here. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily believe in mythical beasts, but every little thing, if you're looking at it with the right light, which really is all photography is, is incredibly magical and wonderful and delightful. Mm -hmm. And if you look close enough, it gets even more interesting and fascinating and fun. Do you do like macro? Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of macro things. For work purposes, I really love macro when I'm looking at like an instrument. I'll take drums, for example, because that's my niche. I have a snare drum. The grain in the wood or the difference in like the block or the staves where you can see like the way the stain has fallen in between the pieces of the wood. You flip it over and the snares and how whether they are, if it's a vintage snare and it hasn't been played for a while, it's going to have some oxidation. It's going to mm -hmm. be a little bit like just crusty, mm -hmm. could be rusted, could be just old. Mm -hmm. The stamp from the company of the snares, the way the snare bed is cut, flip back over the lugs, all of the pieces, the throw off. I love, I love interesting throw offs on snares. Mm -hmm. um, all of those are really beautiful when you get in really, really close yeah. and really, really deep on the macro level. Yeah. If it's a calfskin head, it's going to have like the, the texture the, and like, like the... Almost the sinuous... Yes. And, yeah. The fibers and yeah. it's... Every piece of it is so beautiful. When you take it and you take a step back and you see the whole snare for what it is, that's lovely. A sound engineer will look at it in a completely different way and be like, okay, but those, none of those lugs are tightened properly. That mm -hmm. sounds terrible. Yeah. The throw off is missing a thing. And for me, I'm like, but look at the patina. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's a snare, but up close, it's 17 pieces of art that yeah. live in like this little five by 14 piece. You know? Yeah. I do drum set sessions. 
where I will take somebody, a drummer out, obviously, and we'll go to a random location that makes them happy or makes me happy. I set up all the studio gear and photograph the kid. I photograph them playing. I do just all the little nuanced bits. I love the way lights fall on symbols and the lathing on the underside. Mm. But they're like, oh, I need to go get a clean pair of sticks. Don't. Don't get the clean sticks. Because mm-hmm. I love seeing, you know, the snare digs on the yeah. side of the stick. Because yeah. that shows that you are an actual working musician. Yeah. And you're doing the thing. And the, you know, the texture and the life that lives on the stick is like, it's just beautiful to me. I love the decay of use mm-hmm. of something that has life and something that is being used for its purpose. I think mm-hmm. that's so lovely. I had this base from, uh, I guess I was 14 when I got it. Mm-hmm. And just about a year or so ago, because it, it, it was in the closet for a couple of years because uh, it was just had gotten unplayable. I had played so many gigs with it and everything. It was just like, you just mm-hmm. couldn't play it anymore. You know, I didn't want to just leave it in the closet. I wanted it to be playable again. Right. So I took it and had it all fixed up. It's really nice now. It really plays well. It's on all the cake records and a, a lot of other records too. It's on a lot of Anton Barbeau's stuff, all the recordings I've done over the years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everywhere. I'm glad it's all fresh and I can play it again, but I, it is kind of, it was kind of like a thing. Right. It's you know, a it was, symbol of like that. You can tell that's a good instrument. If you're choosing to play that every single time, because that's the one that gets the noise that you need to make. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that the, the life is gone from it, obviously, but there is a different life that lives in it when it's fresh and retooled. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it's like starting it's over. I need to start ruining this one now. <laughs> Support for Creativity in the Capital comes from Sacramento News and Review, our local alternative news weekly since 1989, and a member of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative. Read more at sacramento.newsreview.com. Have you ever been moved by your work? Oh, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, music's a performance art, so... I mean, but it's an art before it's a performance, Mm -hmm. I think, you know? So, like, a musician or a person who writes music, I I guess, I mean, it's not true for everybody, but I always work alone, so music is a very private thing for me. Performance of music, it's like, by that point, the music's already changed to something else. Mm -hmm. Even if it's the same song or piece of music, my relationship to it has changed if it's being performed live. I mean, by the time it's being performed, I've played it maybe like 200 times. Sure. I'm probably not actually moved by it anymore. You know, I'm just doing it because I think, well, this is well constructed and uh, Mm -hmm. this is part of like what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. music kind of wants to be performed. Mm Mm-hmm. But there is this other, the initial side of, of the process um, where you're digging into yourself and you're trying to pull something out. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that can be very emotional. Is that a part of the process for you automatically or is that a happy byproduct or not happy byproduct, an emotional byproduct? I think it's automatic. Yeah. I think the writing <clears throat> process is, is emotional. Could be, could be happy, could be sad, you know, whatever, sure. whatever the song's about. You must go through this with photographs where you're like, okay, this, I'm going to use this one that I have. I'm going to present this. I'm going to give this to the world now. Mm -hmm. So there's that bridge that you cross over. I have a ton of music that, you know, I probably wouldn't play in front of people. Usually the reason is it's not good enough, you know, but if it, if I feel like it's good enough, then it kind of crosses through a bridge Mm -hmm. and I decide this is not really for me anymore. This is just for anybody who wants it. And I, you know, I think there's phases of my life where 
uh, you know, I did, well, I'm not going to perform anymore, whatever, you know. Even if I never performed again, I would still write music every day at home, mm-hmm. you know, because that's just mm-hmm. like part of my life. Music sort of nags you and wants to be, it wants to be aired out and put out into the world for some reason. I don't know if you feel that way about photographs or not, but it seems like you probably do. Yeah. I mean, art creation needs to happen. I think creation aches for existence. I need to create something. Yeah. Whether that's a photograph or it's a meal for somebody or it's facilitated by photography. I write and I play music like my, um, when I get kind of like a roadblock in my head mm-hmm. or I get bored or I just can't be in front of the computer anymore. Yeah. I'll turn around because I've got my keyboard and I've got my guitars. Uh, turn around, play a little something. Creation is necessary for me. It doesn't necessarily have to be the medium that I've chosen as yeah. a profession. I happen to be okay at it. Mm-hmm. And, and I worked a long time at being better at photography. I'm about to say, I don't think I need to take pictures, but if I'm not shooting, I get very uncomfortable mm-hmm. if it's been too many days without taking my camera out and doing the things. I think most people in the world, there's not one moment in their life where they're like, I, I need to do this. Right. I need to write a song or I need to take a picture. It's hard for people like that to kind of understand like, what yeah, I don't go- imagine somebody who's like, you know, in HR is like, I need to get back and process W-2s. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think there's any like deep ache to be in that space. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I've never been an HR person. But but if I'm not shooting for, you know, two, three days, I'm like, yeah, I should go. Those, the, the, the berry bush looks really, really good right now. Like that needs to be photographed. I mean, is it fair to say, would you agree to this, that you just sort of have a need or an urge to tell a story, to try to share the way you see the world. Yes, I think it's the way I see the world. I'm going to brag a little bit because I think that my eyes process the world in a more beautiful way than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There is something about the light goes inside of my eyeballs and goes into my brain and it is glitter rainbow magic. Mm -hmm. Like I just find so much lovely about the world where people are like, oh, it's just a tree. And I'm like, no, 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 look deeper at the tree look at the fruit that it's producing look at the flowers look at the like if you look little at all the little beautiful wonderful things or just a person we can toss judgment any at any one person be like oh it's just a dude stop for just a second it's not just a dude that person is the combination of 40 years of experiences and hurts and love and loveliness and it shows on in every bit of their canvas like mm-hmm. their eyes have all of the memories of the smiles that they've ever mm-hmm. had and when i look through the world i move to tears by how fantastic things are and so for me to be able to say like hey look at this look at this thing that i made i'm like a cat bringing a lizard to mm-hmm. the doorstop photography is a means to creating a space for people to see inside of my head and if i can have an experience with somebody when i'm photographing and say like Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Because I want to know who you are as a person. I want to know what you've been through. I want to know where your hope lies. Have I ever been moved by my own work? Absolutely. It's those moments. Mm -hmm. It's the loveliness. It's seeing somebody's demeanor change in a space where they may have been very timid and very self-conscious and very self-critical. And they can look at a picture of themselves and say, oh my gosh, how did you get that? And I could be like, baby, you were there that whole time. Talk about collaborating with other people who do the same kind of thing you do. Is it a competition or an opportunity or both? Uh, I don't really collaborate. I mean, I used to. I mean, I can collaborate. If somebody else writes a song, I can easily 
jump in there and start contributing. I find if I actually write a song, I write all the parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you then record them? Mm-hmm. Collaborating is is tough for me on my own stuff because I tend to have something in mind. Mm-hmm. And I have like a specific a, energy or a specific like yeah, way like, that it needs to yeah, be delivered. Yeah. yeah. I find that if I show a song to someone and, you know, it's just an acoustic guitar, it's hard for me to get what I, I don't know, maybe it's because it's not their song or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a thing in the music world where it's like, if you play blues, people go, oh, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I will play. If you play a country song, they go, oh, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. I play the country bass line because this sounds like a country song. So let's go down that route you know and i'm a little bit like ah, i don't want to do that right you don't want to pigeonhole yeah if you write a country song make it into a disco song or 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 something you know try to like not just go for a style mm -hmm. try to like mix it up a little bit i think there's magic in that you have your basic starting point like prince for instance he's r&b generally i guess but yet within that he did all kinds mm -hmm. of weird and bizarre stuff so yeah when you so, have a voice in your head for a song that you're like i need this is how this song wants to be played it's yeah, really um, hard to give that over to somebody else or, or i mean maybe if that collaborative person had enough time but i mean they don't have the amount of time with my song that i do i'll write something and i'll record it on my phone and then when i'm in my car i'm listening i mean i don't really listen to other music you know unless it's for work in my own world my own private world of music, I really am daily just reviewing notes and adding to them. I'm in a process. Uh, you know, I'm working on 40 songs at a time. This one needs a bass line. This one needs more words. Or this one needs a harmony or something like that. And you have that all cataloged in your head. So if somebody else comes in, they're like, I think we should do this. You're like, no, that's not what yeah. we're doing for this one. Yeah. How so dare you gets, talk about my child this way? Well, it gets a little bit <clears throat> uncomfortable having to reject their ideas. And I don't like that. I mean, that doesn't feel good to either one of us. I right. tend to avoid that. Sure. The, the way that the band evolved was I had no band. I was in Cake and I was recording with Cake. And I was pretty frustrated because it's everything is sort of by committee. And I was like, I just want to break free. I want to do what I want to yeah. do, you know. So I was like, I'm just going to start recording at home. So I started that. A friend of mine came and said, hey, I'm opening up a club and I'm looking for bands to play. I'm like, well, don't ask me. I don't have a band. And he's like, put one together. So, I mean, I had all these songs written and recorded, and the arrangements were very worked out. So that's how it started. And I, suspecting that other people in the band, you know, want to be creative, have at times said, I have this song, it's not arranged, it's just in its seedling form. Do you want to hear it? And sometimes they're like, no, you just work it out and we'll just play what you write. So that I've had that reaction, mm -hmm. you know. I feel torn about it. I don't know if you can tell or not. I feel pretty torn. You know, I would like to collaborate. It just doesn't seem to be that easy. Yeah. It's only easy if I'm working on somebody else's stuff. Do you feel like you have had experiences where people have returned it and you're like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Thanks for playing. And then you have to like reject their thing. And then they've been upset about it. Yeah. That, that would make you gun shy. I imagine. Yeah. 
And and on the other end of that too, I mean, I've gone to places and been invited to record or or compose with people and on on work on 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 their stuff. And they've said to me at the end of it, it's not quite what I'm looking for. You kind of have to be thick skinned and go, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, I gave it my best shot. I don't know what's in your head. It's not easy for them to say yeah. that to me, but I mean, they do. I'm glad they do when they do because it's not about me. It's about getting that piece of music to be the ultimate piece of music that right. you want it to be. I mean, if you make compromises, you can't make good art. You 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 have to go for a vision. You have to mm-hmm. you have to work towards that. Anything that gets in the way of that, you have to knock it out of the way. Right. And I imagine different personalities in in creatives also make it difficult where they're like, okay, so this song, I just need it to be a tree. What does this mean? Yeah, what exactly. kind of tree are we talking? Let's narrow it down. Do you need it to be played on a tree? Do we need it to be verdant and lively? Help me here. Is this an olive tree? Right, is right. This, is this a are fruit we, producing we, tree? Is this an ornamental tree? Is it Christmas? Is it, yeah. yeah. Is like this a in game the, of charades. Is this you know? in the desert or in the right. mountains? You know? Right. I'm kind of the opposite. I don't... I mean, every job I do when it's in a creative space, every band I work with, every creative thing is like, I want that to be collaborative. When I meet with a band or an artist or whatever, I say like, I have zero ego involved in this. There's no ego. This is not me. Mm -hmm. This is how you want everybody to see you. So in that space, I am very collaborative, but that's not somebody doing the same thing as me. I want so badly (laughs) to work with other, uh, other photographers. And what I've been met with, they're very like holding their cards close and they don't want me to know what they know. They don't have time because they're full of all their things, which is completely understandable. Or they are afraid to collaborate with me because I'm a powerful presence. I'm loud and I am like, now we're best friends, come snuggle. And it's just a lot. Or they think that I'm trying to hit on them, which Mm. is not awesome in itself either. And I'm like, I don't want to sleep with you. I just really would love to create with you. And I know that's an intimate thing, but these are not synonymous. Yeah, there's... A lot of times a misperception Mm -hmm. going on with that. There's always a question, I think, when men and women are passionate about what they do Mm -hmm. and they meet on a similar frequency Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, what's going on with you two? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yeah. We are creating. Yeah. And men and women should interact more and should learn how to be friends in a non-sexual way, Mm -hmm. you know, and and just get used to each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when you assign specific gender behaviors, roles, expectations, things tend to get a little bit messy. And that's in any space. I, I grew up in a religious environment and there were so many like expectations that I am still untangling for myself. Yeah. That was always really hard for me because it's be lovely, be feminine. And culturally, though, the, the, the way the, the genders were uh, separated and assigned different roles... It goes way back. There was a time, and I hope things are changing. I think things are changing, but like women weren't allowed to read. Women weren't allowed to be writers. I mean, I look around. I mean, most of the musicians are men. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. very male-dominated mm-hmm. sphere. Unless you're, you know, a front woman, and Unless you that. are pretty shiny, sparkly on mm-hmm. the front. Right. Um, it's a novelty. It's getting better. It yeah. is getting much better. I've noticed, especially in the drum world, where we have some like mm-hmm. just absolute murderers behind the kit and mm-hmm. they are strong, beautiful, dainty, lovely, mm-hmm. mothers, nurturing, mm-hmm. precious, but they will eat your whole face off mm-hmm. when they're behind the kit, like absolutely mm-hmm. destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I love, I love seeing that. I love seeing that so much. I mean, yeah, but, and that and just I, needs I think, to be encouraged more. Young, well, young women need need that encouragement because I think there's so much messaging absolutely. that's opposite that. Being built as a smaller person and you're like, oh, you can't handle the road. You're just a girl. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> I bleed once a month. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can handle being in a van with you stinky fucks for the next six weeks. It's fine. But but beyond that, like, I just think that there has to be, regardless of age, the understanding that women have a place at the table. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of older women picking up drums. It's incredibly therapeutic. And when you're fighting against things like, memory related diseases or degeneration drums cater to both sides of the brain they cater to the mental processes the physical processes and they just keep everything kind of like more attentive and Mm -hmm. so when you have something like you know dementia or alzheimer's or whatever Mm -hmm. in the early onset using percussion as Mm -hmm. a as a therapy is brilliant and, Mm -hmm. and wonderfully beneficial but i think when you can tell a little girl or, or non, non-binary child and say like, hey, whoever you are and whoever you're going to be, wherever you end up in this world, you have a place at the table. Mm-hmm. There is no door that is locked to you. I think that's incredibly powerful for a child. And I wish as a, as a little kid, somebody had told me that sooner before I had to say like, what? I've got the keys. I've had the keys this yeah. whole time. Right. If one person when I was a kid said, babe, you can do anything you want. You have to work hard for it. Anything you want is available. I don't even know what my life would look like right now. Mm-hmm. I know that it's incredibly magical now because I figured that out when I was like 30. But it took to 30 mm-hmm. to say like, wait, I don't have to fit into this mold. I don't have to yeah. fit into this form. Yeah. I don't have to be what my pastor, my parents, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I don't have to be what those people expected me. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to be whatever weird little freak I, I want to be. And that served me really well. The work is a hard thing for some people. Sure. I but mean, when you know... Nobody can give you... That. Right. You but mean, when you, you know you that that's all that's in the way is yeah. just the, the forward motion. Yeah. Everything right. is open for you. Right. Yeah. I work with an organization called Girls Rock and it's gender oh. inclusive. You know, Larissa. Yeah. It's an incredible program. Like, like truly incredible. You will see these tiny little baby children. <laughs> They're so little. Um, I did photographs for bands this summer and there was a child. She looked to be about four. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that she, that wasn't her age. I think they have a low limit of like six or seven. But she had this like giant bass guitar yeah. <laughs> and was like yeah. twice her size, but she was holding it. I'm like, I think she's going to pass out. It's too big for her. <laughs> but to be able to give that, she's doing an incredible thing for the community. Like I think we're going to see a huge swath of yeah. young women. Yeah. And I mean, everybody, everybody will benefit from this. Yeah. And we're going to see a huge like just boom of creativity and, and deeper music culture. In, mm-hmm. in this space in about five to 10 years. Yeah. Huge. I agree. Yeah. Have you nearly given up on your career? Not really. I, I have a lot of feelings about that. You know, I mean, I was in Cake for a very long time and it's a situation where people I don't know come up to me at the co-op and say, how's Cake doing? And then I quit. I ran, I run into somebody that may, maybe was a Cake fan, like when Cake played at Old Ironsides, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of thing. Like, how's Cake doing? I said, oh, I quit. And the person said, oh, you quit music. And right. I was like, no, I quit a band. <laughs> it just dawned on me, you know, people see your <clears throat> professional life as you. And I don't blame them. I mm-hmm. understand, mm-hmm. you know. That to me never really mattered. The association. Uh, 
with yeah, what I don't, to do. and and I I don't see that going out on tour or all that, and ma- even making records, releasing records, and and doing all the stuff that a professional band can do. To me, that's like after the fact. The music part is what you do in your living room when nobody's there. The creative part. I mean, you can do that in a non-professional way. It's just as valid as what a professional does. Right. And you can't do the professional part if you're not doing the living room part. Mm -hmm. Well, and you need years of the living room part. Most people need years. Oh, totally. I feel like the living room part is the foundation. It's the springboard. It's the, the fabric that you have to build the stage part. Mm-hmm. If you don't have yards and yards and yards of that fabric, then the stage will never exist. Yeah. So I, 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 sure. I sort of don't care about the, mm-hmm. you know, side B, the mm-hmm. part where, I mean, I care about it, but I mean, you can't bank on that. Right. You know. Well, and at any moment, a contract could fall apart. Somebody could have a vocal cord injury and... Uh, the music industry could collapse, you know, at any a moment. A pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no touring and there's no yeah. record sales. And there's and, not even local gigs. Right. You know, and, at that point. And you'll still have the living room, even if you don't have the stage. Yeah. So like, sense. yeah, the pandemic. Nothing changed for me. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed musically for me. I did the same thing that I always do. Yeah. I played music every day. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what giving up means. I mean, does that mean like I'm not a professional anymore or not as professional as I used to be? Mm-hmm. I thought about, I gave that up. I walked away from that because it does, it's not that important. It right. was, it, it was kind of more of a burden than, than a mm-hmm. blessing. And nobody understands that. And I don't blame them. I just, I needed to stay home. Mm-hmm. I needed to quit leaving my house. A lot of people don't understand how hard it is to be out. And to be a part of an entity that is working and recognizable. Mm-hmm. That is a very heavy burden that, you know, like I've, I've worked with a lot of young musicians. They're like, I just want to be out on the road. I just mm-hmm. want to be out on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. Well, they got the spirit of adventure. Yeah. And that's good. You know, that's, Which is that's good. Wonderful. And I, I had that too, you know, but after 20 years mm-hmm. of being away from home, mm-hmm. I don't go anywhere now. Yeah. <laughs> I just stay home. Yeah. Which is probably... A problem. I should. I should probably get out of the house at least sometimes. But but yeah, the, my desire to be at home is, is so strong. My yeah. desire to be out of the house is there's hardly any. When you have to chase your peace, and and you're like, I just want to be home with my partner. It's hard when you have to live from airport to airport. And yeah. Like maybe the venue or the hotel didn't have laundry facilities. Everybody sees like, oh man, how can you quit that gig? How can I not? I'm tired. Yeah, I'm I was tired. just tired. It's a long time to yeah. be doing the thing. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of fun to be had out there too, but nothing's free. The, the, it costs you in other ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I would have had to quit anyways because my wife got sick about a year later. She needed full-time, 24-7 care and surveillance. But what about you? I think, because I've been doing this about 20 years, there's not been a week that I haven't been like, I wonder what the benefits are at Starbucks. <laughs> Or like I could put on I could I could play to the patriarchy, put on a low cut shirt and sling beers at some random bar mm-hmm. and make hella money and just go home and not have to worry about the mental process and the emotional process of doing my job. Cause I get involved. That's and good I though. I like that. to people. I am one person and I am you know, I'm a s I'm a single mom with ADHD and I'm like, <laughs> I wanna do everything. I wanna help everybody and I wanna make dreams come true and I'm like 
but I can also just make hella tips with some cleavage yeah. and eyeshadow. Like, yeah. you know, like I could, I could do a normal job. I could go and work for the state. I could do all of this. Mm-hmm. And these thoughts happen cyclically. Yeah. And usually it just happens when I'm burnt, when I'm burnt yeah, out. And yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. push myself past the like point of exhaustion and my mental health is unwell. And I'm trying to do things that are not in alignment with the things that make me genuinely joyful. Mm-hmm. which is too many corporate jobs all at once. Right. Doing stuff that is too repetitive or too, like consistently the same thing all the time. Did you get into photography? I'm not a photographer, so I don't know, but I'm just assuming that this particular avenue of art is largely solo work. Did you feel like you got into it so that you could have privacy or time to yourself? Or? No, in high school. I was the yearbook editor. I was I was very proud of myself. I did it for two years because nobody else wanted to do it. Uh, and I was very self-assured in that space. But after high school, and I did a lot of photography there. After high school, I kept taking pictures and I mostly took pictures so I could get into shows for free. So mm. there were a couple venues that were my go-tos. And I was very much a church kid. And there was this church out in Roseville that did a bunch of like the hardcore screamo shows. I went to one. At one the underground. Time. Yeah. That was my jam. I don't know what I would do otherwise. There's not anything else that I enjoy more. And I've contemplated it. It's a means to connection to people. And it gives me space to have moments of beautiful vulnerability and joy space and share other people's loveliness with them without having to be creepy. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I can, it's weird to go to somebody on the street and be like, I just needed to know you to know that you are incredibly lovely. No matter what anybody else says, you are radiant. Okay. That's all. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> I mean, I do do that actually, but it is different when you can look at somebody and be like, your eyeballs look like the earth. You have sky and water and and the forest inside of your eye holes. And that's lovely. I notice this because I'm a photographer. It's just because I take pictures. I see these things. What about you? I just do it because I want to. I don't know why I want to, but I do. I always have wanted to. I remember watching the Jerry Lewis telethon when I was a kid. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make music. And my mom, you know, she was like, you're going to make music. I think, I mean, I remember being really young in the car there was a Motown song on the radio and I could hear the bass and I recognized that the bass playing was unusual. Mm-hmm. So I already knew what normal bass playing was from Hee Haw because it was boom, doom, yep. doom, 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 doom. And James Jamerson on the Motown record is going doom, 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 doom. And I, it was very busy bass playing and I, I thought that that's really It was written into your bones before you even knew that you... I was a born bass player. Creativity in the Capital is a production of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative, hosted by me, Casey Rafter. This episode's intro and outro music is by Celia St. Croix. Celia's music is available on Spotify or any streaming platform. Solving Sacramento is supported by funding from the James Irvine Foundation and Solutions Journalism Network. Our partners include California Groundbreakers, Cap Radio, Outward, Russian American Media, Sacramento Business Journal, Sacramento News and Review, Sacramento Observer, and Univision 19. 
This conversation has been edited for length, clarity, and flow.